Well, good morning again. So awesome to see all of you here this morning. Um, I think most of us know in here that we've had our team coming back from East Tennessee. They're on the road now. So throughout the day, if you would just remember them and pray for them for safe travel here back to back to Houston. I hope you've been able to follow some of the, the emails throughout the week. Um, just the blessings that, that allowed us to, to partake of what they did. When we look at the photographs and, and we read the emails, um, we just praise God. We just praise God for, for how he, he has moved in the lives of, of all those, the teachers. And, and, and we pray specifically for the children that heard the gospel message. We pray for their salvation. We pray for adults who may have been uh, there uh, in that VBS and maybe did not know Christ. We pray for their salvation as well. So just remember them. It's not over. Seeds have been planted. And let's just pray that, that uh, like Paul and Apollos, that they'll water and water and water and that the Lord will bring the increase. Today, um, we're going to be looking at several scripture verses. The first one that I want to look at is Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3. So if we could all stand as for the reading of God's word. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Let me pray. Almighty God, pray right now, Father that every word that I would speak would be the words that you want me to speak. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. The, the title of this message, and I, I, I really didn't intend to title it per se, but I had to give Joy a title, and so uh, <laughs> I had, had, and had to have, have scripture to read. So, uh, it, and it's actually a good exercise. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm glad I went through the, the process of thinking, okay, how how, how would I title this? Um, and so I, I came up with uh, the believers' battle, and we're going to be looking at several scriptures as I as I try to as I try to uh, portray that. And, and the first one is is hearing. In Galatians, and, and, and this is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, and, and just as a little short background, Galatia um, is in modern-day Turkey, and it's in the central part of that country called the Highlands. And so if you, if, you had, if you think of a map of Turkey, then kind of the center of it would be what is referred to as Galatia. And, and to the west of there, you go toward the Mediterranean Sea and toward Greece, um, 
and then Ephesus. And we'll be talking about Ephesus some this morning as well. So, so that, that's where Galatia, a region, is located. And Paul addresses his, his letter here in, in, in Galatians, and it's plural. And it's one of the few letters, maybe the only one. I didn't go back and check every one of Paul's letters, but most of his letters are addressed to a single church, whether it's uh, Philippi or Thessalonica, uh, Colossae. Uh, here, if you look at chapter 1, verse 2, he says, And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. So Galatia is a region. It's not a specific church. And so there's, there's a number of churches in Galatia. We don't really know how many are in Galatia. Um, and we don't know if necessarily Paul is writing this letter to all of them or just a few of them. But there's no indication that any are left out. So I would suggest that what he's writing here is, is something that's widespread across the churches in Galatia, is, is, is my interpretation. Um, we see that set in, in, in verse 21 of chapter 2, just before we get into this, what we just read, where Paul addresses the believers, and, and that's a point I want to be clear here. These are believers. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and, and that becomes clearer and clearer as we look at this text. He says, you foolish Galatians. A pretty harsh way to start this, this chapter. If you look at the verse just above that, it's kind of a lead-in to really what's driving him to, to say what he's saying here in chapter 3. In verse 21 of chapter 2, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. So he's saying if, if that's how righteousness comes, is through the law and keeping the law, then the Lord Jesus died for, 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 for no purpose. And so with that kind of a backdrop, he then says, oh foolish Galatians, he then says, who has bewitched you? As if, who, who has cast a spell on you? What, what has happened to you? And this word foolishness can have a lot of different meanings, but here, here it basically means um, a very shallow way of reasoning and logic, let's just say. He says, what, you know, what has happened to you? But he says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He said, you, you saw that. You heard the gospel. You heard salvation by grace through faith. And it wasn't the works of the law. You know that. And, and we're going to see that when we look at the church at Ephesus as well. You know how you became saved. And it wasn't by works. It was God's grace. His grace. And, and how he poured that out. How that was poured out to you on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on that cross because he so loved. He loves you, and you recognize that, believers. You recognize that. You came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that's how you were saved, was through God's grace. And in verse 2, but there's only one thing I want to find out from you. Thinking back how you were saved, and these, these are rhetorical, I would suggest to you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law 
or the hearing with faith? When, when you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, how did you come? Was it by the works of the law? Or was it by faith? I believe when they read this, they would say, of course, Paul, it was by faith. We know that. We, we know it wasn't the works of the law. We heard the gospel message and we believed. Then verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Okay. Okay, so, 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 so you began by the Spirit. When you came to Jesus Christ and you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, your spirit was, I like to say, born from above. Born again is another way you can say it. Born from above. Your spirit was born from above. So you know that. You believe that. Why are you walking in the flesh? Why are you living in the flesh? Why aren't you walking in the spirit instead of the flesh? You've begun well, but you're not walking well. You're you are back into, from your walk, you're living like you're in bondage to the law. Why are you doing that? You've been released from the law. You know that. You accepted Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that you're born again. Why are you walking like you walked before? In the flesh, in the law. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it's in vain, so... So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Again, he says it. What is it? <coughs> Let's move down to verse 10 here in chapter 3. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Cursed. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. When you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you were justified instantly. It's evident. The righteous man shall, I'm going to add a little word, just Chris's word, it's not a, NASB. The righteous man shall now live by faith. Your living isn't lining up with how you began. How did that happen? Paul says, who bewitched you? How did that happen? That you started well. You're saved. Now you're, you're walking like the old person. How did it happen? Who bewitched you? I believe that is, will be answered as we continue through this. Who has bewitched you? When you accepted Jesus, you accepted him out of 
love for him. In 1 John it says, because he first loved us. A love relationship was formed with Jesus Christ. When you accepted what he did, he did it out of love for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He died for you because he loves you. And you love him, it says in 1 John, because he first loved you. So you began a love relationship with Jesus. So why now? Why now are you not walking with Jesus? Why did you return back to the law? And why did you do it so quickly? Look, look at chapter 1, verse 6 in Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 6. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. What is Paul, Paul saying? I'm amazed. I'm amazed how, how fast that happened. Who, who blinded you? Who betwixt you? Who confused you? And how did you, how did you turn so quickly? So the question, why did the believers in Galatia so quickly leave the love of God through Christ by trying to live and obey the law? Why did it happen? And what caused it to happen so fast? Now let's look at the book of Revelation at another church. Revelation chapter 2. And I believe in trying to answer the question why, we'll get some insight from looking at the church at Ephesus. Revelation 2, verse 1. Until the angel of the church of Ephesus write, okay, the angel of the church of Ephesus, the, the, the angel is defined as angels in chapter 1. And there's, there's difference of opinion whether they're literally angels watching over these seven churches in, in, chapter, in, in, in chapters 2 and 3. Or if it's the pastor, if it's the senior pastor, that, that's, a, that's a debate. But that doesn't affect the message here. To the angel or the pastor of the church of Ephesus, right. I'm going to suggest he's speaking. Jesus is speaking. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to the entire church through either an angel or the pastor. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. And he that holdeth the seven stars of the seven angels was defined in chapter 1, and that's Jesus, as we know in chapter 1. He's got in his right hand the seven stars or angels or pastors of these churches. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That's back to chapter 1 as well. John, the apostle John, who is writing who's pinning down these words in the book of Revelation, he sees in chapter 1, you, you, you remember the story, he hears a, a, a horn behind him, a trumpet behind him, he turns around and he sees these seven golden candlesticks 
which represent the seven churches. And he sees in the midst of the golden candlesticks, one as the Son of God. It's Jesus in the midst of the golden candlesticks. So this is Jesus about to speak now to the church of Ephesus. He says in, in verse 2, I know thy works. Interesting, he doesn't say, I see thy works. That's how we relate. We, 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 we see what people do. I think it's, it's, it's very emphasis and informative that Jesus says, I know thy works. He does more than just see what you do. He knows, I'm going to suggest, why you do what you do with your works. And before I go much further here with Ephesus, let, let me back up and, and just give a few data points about the heritage of that church. The Apostle Paul lived there for three years. He, he was three years in that church. Aquila and Priscilla were in that church. Apollos hung out there. The Apostle John. Timothy. Wow. I mean, that, that is quite a number of theologians, if you will, that were in, in one aspect or another, this church in Ephesus. And, and, and Ephesus was a, a, was a major trade city. It, 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 was a, it, it was there in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. It, it's, it's on the coast, unlike the Galatian churches. So the heritage, the, the, the founding fathers, if you will, of that church is quite a who's who in Christianity, first century Christianity. Whoa, that, I mean, wow, okay. I mean, they, I would suggest they sat under, under the feet of some very, very learned Christian theologians. And they're doing works. That, that, that's a good thing, right, works. I mean, you know, in Ephesians 2.10, after we're saved by grace to faith, now we can do good works. So they're working. Good. That, 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 that's good. Thumbs up. They're, they're working. We're supposed to be working. We're supposed to be working. Born-again believers, I, we can't do anything good when we're lost, but once we become Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, now we can do good works, and we're supposed to be out there doing it. James says in the book of James, faith without works is dead. So we need to be working. That's good. Good. They're working. I know that works. Thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Sounds like they're pretty discerning. Pretty discerning. They, they're, they're, they're laboring, and, and, and they cannot bear. They cannot put up with evil. And how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Okay, they're, they're really good discerners, it sounds like, right? I mean, they, 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 they can see the false teachers. And, and if you remember, Paul had a meeting with the Ephesian elders back in, in the book of Acts, and he warned them. He told them, hey, 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 be careful, be careful. There's going to be false teachers coming into the church. Your job, you know, look and watch and protect the flock. Sounds like they're doing that. Sounds like that message stuck. Verse 3, and has borne and has patience. Okay. 
for my name's sake. That's a good thing too. In the name of Christ. For my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. They're fighting the good fight, aren't they? They're running the good race. Verses 2 and 3, I mean, this is, these guys have to have it right, don't they? Don't they have it? They, 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 they're doing it. Praise God. Look at verse 4. And I, I, I'm, I, I shifted to King James from the NSB. I apologize if that's... <laughs> But in King James, in first words, it says, nevertheless, whoa, nevertheless? What do you, uh, what do you mean, nevertheless? I mean, that's almost like except for. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, we just got through saying all these great things we're doing with the blah, 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 blah. Now there's a nevertheless? I don't like neverthelesses. What's coming after the nevertheless? It's like a, a but, a however. Why? Well, what do you mean? I have somewhat against thee. What? Doing all the right things. Checking all the right boxes. What do you mean? Because thou hast left thy first love. What does that mean? Left? First love? Who is their first love? It's Jesus. Right? Remember? When their spirit was enlivened, when it was born from above, where was the spirit before? Is dead. So when you were justified because you accepted what Jesus did, you loved Jesus, your first love as a spiritual human being, is Jesus. And you left him? I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Jesus is speaking. You left your first love. How did that happen? What do you mean? It says, verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. You're doing all these things, which I would suggest are follow-on works. But you got to get the first work right. And the first work is loving Jesus. That's why you do what you do. Right? That's why this, I know thy works, is so penetrating. Jesus knows what they're doing and why they're doing it. And it's not out of love for him. They left. They left him. Le 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 left has this picture of something that you, it, you do it. Notice it doesn't say lost. It, it doesn't say lost their first love. They didn't lose their love for Jesus. These are believers. They haven't lost salvation. They're justified. All right? And that's done. We're talking about living we're talking about sanctification. How do you live? You left. You walked out. You walked out on Jesus? He says so. I know your works. I know why you're doing all these wonderful things. 
but you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for you. Doesn't say that here. I'll get to why I think they're doing it for them in just a moment. But why? Why are you believers in Ephesus? You started out well. You listened to the teaching of Paul and you believed, you accepted Jesus Christ. It wasn't by works. They, they get it just like the Galatians get it. Works didn't do it. It was what Jesus did on the cross because Jesus loves them. And they know that. So why? Why'd they leave their love for Jesus? So in both Ephesus and Galatia, we have a similar pattern. We've got first century believers who are not living for Jesus. They're not walking in the Spirit. To try to bring this out, now let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, the flesh, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the spirit. And man became a living soul. One verse. Body. Spirit, soul. We're three-part creatures, if you will. The Spirit's what distinguishes us from animals. God didn't breathe His Spirit into animals. He breathed it into man. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. The spirit died, right? You would die. And we know it was the spirit that died. So, so let, let's just look, let's look at just for a moment what, what, what is the job of the spirit, the soul, and the flesh? The spirit is how we relate to God from a, I call it a vertical perspective, a heavenly perspective. The soul is how we relate to God through his creation. And then the flesh is how we relate to God's creation, a horizontal perspective, if you will. So when Adam and Eve sinned and what they did condemned us all, their spirit died, but their soul was still alive. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but when you were born, when we were all born into this world, the spirit was dead. We came into this world with a dead spirit. The soul was alive and the flesh was alive. So the soul has been in charge up until the point you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and your spirit was enlivened. As a matter of fact, let's go to Ephesians 2. It was interesting in Sunday school class this morning, Brother Larry referenced Ephesians 2. I thought he was going to talk about my message today. 
Ephesians 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2. Verse 1. And you hath he quickened, it says in the King James, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened, alivened. That happened when we accepted Christ. Our spirit became alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. We, we were dead in trespasses and sins before our spirit came alive. And in verse 2, wherein in time past ye walked. Ye walked before the quickening or enlivening of your spirit. Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's what we were doing before we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We walked on this earth dead in trespasses and sins. And who's in charge? The soul. The soul is in charge. And, and, and the soul is selfish. Right? The soul is selfish. The, the, the soul says, hey, I got to watch out for number one. If I don't watch out for number one, nobody will. That's, that's how the soul relates to God's creation. And, and, and the soul attempts to relate to God, but it, it, it's limited because it looks through the lens of creation. And, and, and so God is, a, God is what the mind, and, and so what is the soul? The mind, the emotions, the desires, the will, it, 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 it's limited because the soul is limited. It, it, it looks through creation. God intended us to live in the spirit with our spirit in charge, not our soul. So when we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the soul became alive, excuse me, the spirit became alive, what happened? Let's go to Psalm 131, verse 2. For a glimpse of what happened. Psalm 131, verse 2. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. What in the world does that mean? When a child is weaned, is a child real happy and goo-goo, gaga, real pleasant, joyful, while the child's being weaned? No. Child screaming and kicking. Why? You're taking away the only source of food the child has ever known. The child thinks you're trying to kill him. You're not. You're not trying to kill him. Here, here in Psalm it says, my soul is even as a winged child. See, the spirit came alive. And God always intended the spirit 
to motivate us and to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. We've heard all that. Walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. That was the intention. So now the Spirit comes under the scene. And what's the soul say? Well, glad to see you're here. You take over now. No. The soul has to be weaned as a child. And the Spirit does that. There's the battle. There's the battle. The believer's battle. It's between the soul and the spirit. Oh yeah, we 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 have skirmishes and, and, and we battle you know evil influences, right? I mean we, we, we know there's evil around us and we know that that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you know, spirits and participalities. We we know all that. I'm going to suggest those are skirmishes compared to what's going on inside a believer with the soul trying to hold on and the spirit trying to now take charge. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And our brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. Paul wrote right into the church at Corinth. Here's another church. Okay, so now we've got the churches in Galatia, we've got Ephesus, and now the church, this is the church in Corinth. I, I can't speak unto you as unto spiritual. What? He's speaking to believers. I, I can't speak to you as unto spiritual. Well, wait a minute. Spirit is now in line now. It's been born again, born from above. Why not? I can only speak to you as carnal, even as unto babes into Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for heretofore you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For wherein there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? You're walking like, like the world walks. I can't speak to you about spiritual things. These, these, these believers are, are continuing to walk, just, just like the Galatians and the Ephesians. They're living their life, trying to, trying to do good things without loving Jesus. And so they're, they're still babes. Look at Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, verses 12 and 13. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. This is, the, this is to the Hebrews. Let's go to Luke 9, 23. So what has to happen? Un unlike the baby, when you're weaning the baby, you're not trying to kill the baby. When you're, when you're weaning the soul, the soul does have to die. The soul has to die. I've been crucified with Christ. What? Who? That's verse 20 before 21 that we read earlier. 
I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. Who has to be crucified? The Spirit? No. The Spirit's been born again. Who's got to be crucified? The soul. The soul has to be crucified. That, that, that part of us that is selfish, that, that, that's the me, me, me. I want what I want. That has to be crucified. In verse 23, in Luke 9, 23, And he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Oh boy, and here's the one that we don't want to read. How often you got to do that? Every day. Daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. We didn't have to go to the cross. Jesus went to the cross for us, for our eternal position in heaven. That he took care of. We have a cross that we have to bear. Okay, and that's this, this soul that is kicking and screaming and wants to be in control of our lives and not let Jesus be in control of our life. I mean, just one, one quick example. Argument, frustration, fight, you know, whatever, amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and so do you, do you get upset and, 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 and you say, you, you can't talk to me that way. Don't, don't talk to me that way. I don't deserve that. I was trying to help. Is that how you react in that situation? If you react that way in the situation, I'm suggesting you're letting the soul direct you. How would the spirit say to react in that situation? Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. I can't do that. Yes, you can. How, how, how many times do we read verses like that and we go, well, wait a minute, we're not Jesus. Okay, I mean, ah, Moses or anybody else. I, I can't do that. How can I turn the other cheek? When you rely on the Spirit of Almighty God to be in charge of your life, that's how you can turn the other cheek. These things are doable. We don't have to sin. We do. I know we do. I'm familiar with 1 John chapter 1. I, I know we do. Because of this, this, this soul, this battle that we have within us. So we do sin, but we don't have to. We don't have to. We can, we, we can get to a place where we rely on the Spirit that has been enlivened within us and walk in the Spirit. The Galatians weren't walking in the Spirit. They were walking in the law. We don't have to. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, it says, I die daily. We don't need to turn to that, but it's just another scripture that says, I die daily. Who dies daily? It's not the spirit, it's not the soul. So what happened? What happened to the believers in Galatia? Why did they start living the law when they knew better? What happened to the believers in Ephesus? after the teaching, after the accepting of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it was all legitimate. It was real. They're born again, born from above. What happened? I'm going to suggest they stopped spending time with Jesus. How did they leave their first love? They stopped spending time with Jesus. I think that is 
the number one reason that as believers we don't live like Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Because we don't spend time with Him. This little phrase isn't unique with me. I heard it from somewhere. And I know it's true with me. When my quiet time turns into drive through quiet time. Drive through quiet time. Just think about that. Driving through quiet time with Jesus. So you go to spend time with Jesus. I got a call in 10 minutes. Um, I don't have long, Lord, today. I got, I got things to do. You know that because here, here's my to-do list. Here's my to-do list, Jesus. I need some wisdom. You say if I ask, you'll give it to me. I got these things on the list. I need to get them done. Can you just give me some wisdom today? I'll check in with you later. Now, I, that, I don't literally do that. But the time we spend with Jesus, is it just focused on him and we're thinking about him? Because we love him. We love him. And so it's all about him. And, and it's not just this skim on through. Sometimes when I drive by, I don't even slow down. I just, just in and out. Got to get going. Got, got the day. Whatever's on these to-do lists, let me back up. So instead of showing Jesus a to-do list, which basically I would suggest we're letting the soul put the to-do list for us based on what we see in creation, what we see in the world, what we see we need to get done today, we put our to-do list together. Instead of coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what are we going to do today? And let him put the to-do list together. I know because I know he watches the birds and he cares for the lilies of the field. If the things on that to-do list that needs to get done to care for us will get done. They'll get done. And it'll get done in a way that will be supernatural. Now we're talking spirit-led walking. Supernatural lives. Not, 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 not the same old up in the morning, do blah, 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 in and out, oh, another day's gone by. Supernatural living is only, we can only do that through the Spirit, and so we've got to get the soul out of the way. So how do believers fight this battle? Spend time with Jesus, and then let's go to Hebrews 4.12, and got to get close to wrapping up. Hebrews 4.12, back to... 4.12. So, so fighting the battle. So, so the believers have a battle. I'm suggesting the battle is not so much Satan and us, although that's, I would say that's a skirmish compared to what's going on inside of us with our spirit and our soul. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? It says in the King James, if you have King James, what's it say? The dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Dividing soul and spirit. How? The Word of God. 
the Word of God. Sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus knows our works. Just like, he, just like in the church of Ephesus, He knows our heart. And if we, don't do, if we don't do what we do because we love Him, that's just wood, hay, and stubble, all that other stuff. And He knows because He examines the heart. So I'm going to suggest that if you are not daily spending time in God's Word and in meaningful quiet time fellowship with Jesus, you are not feeding the Spirit, you're feeding the soul. And when the skirmishes come up in our lives, that who's, who's going to win, the Spirit or the soul? You've got to feed the Spirit this word of God and you've got to spend time with Jesus daily there was a man named Enoch one of the most I, I think mysterious men in the Bible Enoch he walked with God I won't, I won't have time to turn to it you can turn to Genesis 5 22 and 24 but what it says about Enoch, he, he walked with God, and then he was no more. Enoch never died. I believe Enoch is an example of a man whose relationship was so close to God, he walked with him. Now he, one day he was just walking on this earth. He took his next step, and he stepped into eternity because he's so close. So close to God. <clears throat> there, there may be some of you here today that have, may, may, maybe you can say that, that I did not leave my first love because maybe that's re you never had a first love. Maybe you've, you, you've never gone to a place, been in a place in your life where you Agreed with God. I'm a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Maybe you've, you've never said that. You've never believed that. You've never been born from above. You've never loved Jesus. So you, you could not have left. The good thing about leaving is you can return. If you lose something, uh, I don't know how to find it. But the Ephesians left, but they knew what they left, and they can return. You can go back and live by the Spirit. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you, you can't do that. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I... I I would ask you, it, you know, why not? Why haven't you trusted Jesus? 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Now 
is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Right now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, right now is the best time to do that. Do you know how, do, do, do any of us really know how close we are to eternity? How close we are to, 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 to being in the presence of the Lord? If, if you're a believer, and being in the presence of judgment if you're an unbeliever? Do you know how close we are? We're one heartbeat away from eternity. All of us. So if, if, if you don't, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're not promised next week. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised this afternoon. You're not promised another heartbeat. That's how quick you could be out of this world. And if you leave this world without having accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are going to go to a place that was made for the devil and his angels, a place called hell, a place of eternal destruction. I don't say that part to anybody who doesn't know Jesus. You, you, you should not come to Jesus out of fear. You should come to Jesus because you love him and you love what he did for you on the cross. Jesus loves you, every single one of you. And he wants to spend eternity with you in relationship with you for eternity. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say a prayer and then um, and I'll, I'll, I'll stand, stand down here at the, at the, at the pillar over here. Um, and if anyone wants to make a decision today um, about Jesus, accepting him as Lord and Savior, or, or just any, any decision anybody wants to make, they can come here and pray. I, I, I can speak with, with them. Um, so I, after I sing this prayer, then, um, then we'll have a, a, a song. Of, and then um, if anyone wants to accept Jesus, please do. Today is the time. Today is the day of salvation. So let me, let, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that you've given to us. You're just an awesome God. And we love you. Those of us who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through what he did for us and accepting and receiving his love for us, we love you. We love you, Almighty God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now for anyone in here that does not know Jesus Christ, has not accepted what he did on the cross as their way back to you, the removal of their sins, I pray that they'll do it today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray.